Good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. I'm thankful for another opportunity to stand before you. Again, hopefully what we discuss will benefit each and every one of us. I like to watch TV shows from time to time about surviving. I love to be out in the woods. I love to do all those kind of things. And, and I found this show a while back. It's called Alone the Beast. And in this show, they will take three complete strangers and they will drop them in a des- just a deserted place out in the middle of nowhere. And all they will do for them is they will shoot an animal before they get there and send up a flyer. They have no tools. They have nothing. And they've got to survive for 30 days. And you think, wow, who would be crazy enough to do that? Not me. I'm not going to do that. Some people like to do things like that. But that would be difficult, right? You, you picture yourself, I am in the middle of nowhere, and I have absolutely nothing other than the clothes on my back. What is the most important thing these people would need? Every episode I watched of that, the number one thing that they would go for was fire. The number one thing. They would need fire because number one at night, it's going to get cold, right? Number two, they had shot an animal for these people. In order to eat an animal, what do we have to do? We got to have some fire to cook it, right? And if you're in a deserted place, if you can't find a, a freshwater spring, you need some fire and maybe a, a rock that's shaped like a bowl to boil some water, right? You can't, sur- you can't survive without fire. I want to take that and, and I want to look at us. What lights a fire under you? Now, I'm not talking about fire in the same way, but in essence, a fire is something maybe that motivates us. And, and we can't be pleasing to God without some fire within us. What lights a fire under you? Or, or maybe a, a better question, what are you passionate about in your life? Be honest about it to yourself. You don't have to answer me, but, but what are you passionate about? Some people are, are very passionate about politics. And they spend their life wanting to know more and more and more. And, and they'll watch CNN and Fox and I don't know what else. But, and they'll read the papers and, and they'll meet together. Every time they get together, they want to talk about it. And that's what you're passionate about. That's fine. Some people are very passionate uh, about sports, right? And man, they will travel the country playing sports, and they'll spend immense amounts of money and time, and there's nothing that they won't do to, to make sure that, that themselves or their child is, is better at sports. And I, that's okay. That's, sports is a good thing. Some people are, are passionate about hunting or, or fishing or, or golfing or whatever it may be. And again, it's something that you really love to do that you really love to talk about. It's something that motivates you in your life, something you look forward to in your life. But I want us to take and think about it more in a spiritual sense. Nothing wrong with all of those things except when they are exceeded and pushed too far and and the others neglected. Nothing wrong with those things. But let's think about spiritual things. I want you to open your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Jeremiah. And you can open to to chapter 20. Let's talk a little bit about Jeremiah. We find out in chapter 1 that that God had sanctified him to be a prophet before he was ever born. 
God had a plan for Jeremiah's life. God wanted to use him for his purpose. Now, how did Jeremiah feel about that? Well, he didn't like it, right? He says, God, I can't do that. God, I am just a child. God, this, 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 this. I don't want to do it in essence. God says, I'll be with you. God says, I'll help you. Everything that you need, I will provide. I will help you, Jeremiah. So he goes along, and he's God's prophet. What else do we know about Jeremiah? Jeremiah, we call the weeping prophet, right? Jeremiah had a difficult time. Things did not come easy for him. In fact, he, he went through a lot of hardships in his life. And let's look at chapter 20. In chapter 20, we find out that, that when Jeremiah prophesied in verse 1, verse 2, he was put in stocks for it. Can you imagine that? You, you, you're doing exactly what God had prepared for you to do, exactly what God had blessed you and been with you every step of the way to do, and when you do it, you get put in stocks for it. Well, the next day, they let him out, and, and, and then Jeremiah goes back to work, and he continues to prophesy. But I want you to notice what he says in verse 7. He says, O oh Lord, you induced me, and I was persuaded. Lord, you, you got me started in this, and you persuaded me, and, and I'm doing it. He says, Lord, you are stronger than I, and you have prevailed over me. Lord, you've gotten your way. I'm doing what you want me to do. He says, but I am in derision daily. He said, everyone mocks me. Can you imagine that? Every day of my life is difficult. Everybody I encounter, they mock me. They laugh at me. My life is tough. He says, for when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder. Because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily. He says, I, I, I'm getting tired of doing this. I, I'm tired of my life. I, I'm tired of preaching. All it does is bring hardships on me. So Jeremiah decided, verse 9, he says, then, then I said I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. Now, let's stop a minute. What would you do if you were Jeremiah? What would you do? I mean, I want you to think about it. Would those three words describe Jeremiah at this point in his life? He was disappointed. God had prepared him to be this, and, and God had helped him to be this, and it's not what he thought it was going to be. Was he discouraged? Oh, definitely he was discouraged. He was so down. He felt like he had worked so hard, and he had put so much into it, and it wasn't doing any good. Most people didn't want to listen. They didn't want to hear what he had to say, so therefore he's frustrated. He's, fr he's angry with God. And he says, I am going to quit. Have you ever been there? Be honest. You don't have to shake your head. You don't have to do anything, but be honest with yourself. Have you ever been there as a Christian? I have. I have. There's been times in my life that I have been fed up Dwight's been a preacher a long time. I bet he's going to do this a few times. Fed up. And you think, I just want to throw my hands up and I want to quit. I don't want to do it anymore. And you don't have to be a preacher to feel that way. You can be any Christian. Sometimes life just, just caves in on you and discourages you. And in essence, it puts out your fire. 
And that's where Jeremiah was at. He says, I, I, I can't do it. All of these things have piled upon me, and I can't do it. But you see, there was a problem. There was a problem with Jeremiah wanting to quit. He knew too much. In essence, he knew too much. He says, Lord, I want to throw my hands up. I don't want to preach anymore. I just want to quit doing what I'm doing. But there's a problem. He said, your word is in my heart like a burning fire, and it's shut up in my bones. And he says, I can't quit. Can't stop. I know what you have done for me. I know what you have prepared for me later on. I know everything that that you would have me to do. And I understand, although I get frustrated and discouraged and disappointed and, and all of those other things, I know who you are, God, and therefore I cannot quit. Jeremiah had a burning fire within his heart. I want to ask you as a Christian, even though Jeremiah was disappointed and discouraged and frustrated, he still had a burning fire. He realized what the Word of God said and that Word had been placed within his heart and he could not. He could not contain it. He could not shut it out, shut it off. He couldn't do away with it. He says, I've got to continue. What about you as a Christian? Do you have a burning fire within your heart? That's a fair question, I think. I want us to look at something. Speaking of a burning fire, I want us to think, and I could go to the Old Testament with a lot of examples, but time will hinder us. Go to Acts chapter 2, and you don't have to go there. You know the story. When the day of Pentecost has fully come, and they were all with one accord in one room, and then the sound of a rushy mighty wind came in, and filled the whole room, and, and what happened to these apostles? The Bible says they had a little tongue of fire on the top of their heads, right? Now I want you to picture this, if you will. These people are standing here, and they look just like a candle. You ever thought about that? They look just like a candle because the Spirit of God was within them, and in essence, everybody knew they were on fire. For the Lord. The Spirit of God can still be within us. Not in the same way, but the Spirit of God through the Word can still operate on us and the world should see us as a candle if we are on fire for the Lord. Jesus says you're a light of the world. You're a city set upon a hill. Same thing, right? Acts chapter 4, about verse 18, Peter and John are preaching and and man, these, these leaders, they don't like it. And they're bringing them in. They say, you can't do this, you can't do this, you can't do this. But you know what Peter said in verse 20 of Acts chapter 4? He says, we can't help but preach what we've seen and heard. It is like a burning fire within us and we cannot stop. We have to be active for the Lord. It's something we've got to do. Paul said in Romans chapter 1 verse 14, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and the barbarians, to the wise and the unwise. So as much as is in me, I'm ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome also. He said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did you catch that? The Apostle Paul says, I feel like I am indebted to everybody. In other words, I've got a fire within me, and I can't stop it. I can't stop it. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning in verse 19, he said, I have made myself a servant to all men. 
Before that, he said, though I be free from all men, I've made myself a servant to all men. He says, verse 22, I've become all things to all men that by all means I might save some. And he says, I do all of this for the gospel's sake. Paul, in essence, was saying, my fire is burning and I can't stop doing what I'm doing. You think sometimes Paul wanted to quit? He was beaten how many times? He was shipwrecked how many times? He was stoned how many times? He was left for dead. You think sometimes Paul just decided, man, these people don't hear what I've got to say. This is just too hard. Paul had determined within him that what God wanted was most important in his life. What about us as Christians? Romans chapter 12, verse 11, the whole chapter is dealing with, with our life as a Christian. Probably my favorite chapter in the Bible, I guess, Romans chapter 12. And in verse 11, he says, Brethren, you can't be slothful. Another translation say, you cannot lag in diligence. He says, you've got to be fervent in the Spirit. and You've got to serve the Lord. He says, in other words, you can't be lazy. You can't sit around and wait for everybody else to do everything. He says, you've got to have some fire in your belly. You've got to be fervent in Spirit. God's Word has got to burn within your heart and within your bones because you understand what He's done for you. And we're going to talk about that a little more in a moment. Titus chapter 2, verse 14, the Bible talks about Jesus Christ gave himself for us to redeem us for himself as his own special people, zealous of good works. Jesus Christ died upon the cross, redeemed us, bought us back from our sinful condition to be his own special people who were on fire for him. That's what Jesus had in mind. When all of this was accomplished, He wants you and I to have a fire burning within our bellies, our hearts, our bones, within our being. He wants us to be just like Jeremiah that we, when we say we want to throw our hands up and quit, we have to say, I can't do that. I can't do that. I, I know what He did for me and I know what I've got to continue to do. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. You've heard this. You've heard this many, many times. It is said, and I hope this is not true here. I really do. It is said that 90% of the work in congregations gets done by 10% of the people. You ever heard that? Sometimes is that true? Listen, I, this morning I am the preacher at Willow Avenue. I'm not worried about anybody else right now, but right here. Is it true here that 90% of the work gets done by 10% of the people? I sure hope not. But I can't answer that. But you can. Which side of that are you on? Are you on the 90% that's only doing 10% of the work? Or are you on the 10% that's doing 90%? You've you got to think about that. In studying for this lesson, I read a statistic that blew my mind. And the more I thought about it, it's probably true. 95% of Christians have never converted one person. That's sobering, isn't it? 95% of Christians have never converted one person in their life. Wow. 
what happened? We, we just said that, man, we've got to have a fire within us. We just said that we're God's own special people and we're zealous of good works. We just said the Bible says we can't lag in diligence, but we've got to be fervent in spirit. Surely those things aren't true, right? I think sometimes this is what happens. And I don't understand this picture and all those symbols. But I picked the picture for the reason. Sometimes we have been on fire maybe to point in our life, but it seems that that fire has burned out. Or maybe that fire was in our past, and now it's behind us. Maybe we are just smoldering a little bit. Maybe there's a little smoke. Maybe there's a little heat. And maybe it could be that the fire is just out. I, I don't know. But I think it is a question that we've got to answer ourselves. And again, don't, don't look everywhere else. Look right here. Look in your own pew. I'm looking right here at this pulpit. The lesson starts behind me. Think about my life. Is my fire burning? Am I excited about doing anything? Or has Satan poured a bucket of water over my head? In essence, sometimes that's what happens, right? It does. You know, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says, Let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Maybe, maybe your fire is not burning like it used to simply because... You're tired. You ever get tired? Sometimes I, I'll get very, very exhausted. Sometimes I don't want to do anything. Sometimes maybe you just feel like Jeremiah. I think Jeremiah was tired. I think he was just extremely tired of, of just all the negativity, all the complaining, all the people just not wanting to listen to anything he had to say. He was just tired. He was weary. Maybe you don't think it's worth it. I've heard people in the church say that before. I, I just don't know if it's worth it anymore being a Christian. I, I don't know if, I mean, this whole thing, is it really going to pay off? I, I had the opportunity last weekend, we, Heather and I went on a trip, and, and I loved to hike, so I hiked all the way to the top of Grandfather Mountain. It was hard. It was difficult. I climbed and climbed and climbed. And when you get to the top, on a clear day, you can see 80 miles, they say. When I got to the top, I could see 50 feet. <laughs> it was that foggy. So, you know, you work and you work and you work and you get to the top and you think, man, here's the payout. No. And maybe sometimes that's how Christianity is. Maybe you think you have disciplined yourself. You have, you've done all of these things and maybe, maybe you think the payout's not going to be worth it. Brethren, you couldn't be more wrong. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing, listen to this, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. I promise you it's going to be worth it. So maybe if you've just grown weary and, and you've let your fire go out, maybe you need to step back and think about that a little bit. Maybe you're just distracted. You know, when Jesus went to Mary and Martha's house in, in Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42, if you'll remember, he came and, and he sat down and began teaching and, and Mary sat down at his feet. She wanted to hear what he had to say and Martha did what? Man, she was cooking and cleaning. She was getting the house together just like all of you ladies would be. You know, worried to death that everything was needed to be perfect. And, and Martha got upset. 
Lord, tell my sister to help me. What did Jesus say? Martha, Martha. You're worried about the wrong thing. You are distracted. And Mary is worrying about what is most important. Let me tell you something, church. Your fire for God should exceed. Look at all those things we looked at earlier. Your fire for God, if it does not exceed your love of politics, your love of sports, your love of hunting and fishing and golfing and work, whatever, whatever it may if your love and your fire and your fervor for God doesn't exceed that, then the picture in the background of the screen describes you. Your fire is smoldering. Or maybe your fire is out. James 4.17 says, To him that knoweth to do good and, and doeth it not, to him it is sin. And, and maybe, maybe your fire is just smoldering because you've just been neglectful. And let me tell you something, that hits every one of us from time to time. We know good and well what we should be doing, but sometimes we are just lazy. Sometimes we are just neglectful. And we just don't do what we should do. And you know what happens before long? You get used to that. You get used to that, and, and, and then that's whom you are. You say, preacher, I don't know about all these things. I just don't believe that. I've got three gospel meetings this year, and I, I spoke at several other places. And every time I do that, I ask, what do I need to preach on? What are the problems? You know the number one thing I hear anymore? Since COVID, hardly anybody's involved. Can you, come, can you preach something to try to get people involved again? They say, we don't know what happened. When, when things kind of went haywire and we did things differently for a little while, people just stopped doing. Could that be true here? We've got an answer for that. Maybe our fire is weak because of what Jesus said in Revelation chapter 3. He was talking to the church at Laodicea and he says, listen guys, you're not hot and you're not cold. You're somewhere in the middle. And he said, that makes me sick. Has anybody ever went to Starbucks and ordered a lukewarm coffee? That's a fair question, right? I hate coffee. But when my bunch goes, it's either hot or it's cold coffee. But I've never seen them order anything in the middle. Why? Disgusting, right? Maybe you, you want a Coca-Cola. Anybody go get one off the shelf at the store and not out of the cooler? You, you don't want it lukewarm. You, you don't want a, a bottle of water lukewarm. You want it, well, you know, it, it's no good if it's not one or the other. As a Christian, God said, I had rather you just be cold. I had rather, I had rather you just quit and everybody know that you have quit than for you to be lukewarm. You say, well, maybe it'd be better just to quit then. You know, if he'd rather me be that way, he's not saying that that's going to be pleasing. Here's what he's saying. A Christian that just quits, everybody knows they quit. But a Christian that is lukewarm still does just enough that maybe people think he's still a Christian, but his influence on other people is not what it needs to be. And, and you're pulling other people away from where they need to be by being lukewarm. When I am lukewarm, I am pulling people away from where they need to be, and I make my Lord sick. And 
That is a very sobering thought. I've got an honest question. We've looked, and we're not done yet, but, but we've looked at this and not being ugly in any shape, form, or fashion. But could it be that you and I were just a pew warmer? Just a warm body in a pew. We're here most services, and that pretty much is the extent of our Christianity. You say, man, that is serious, and I don't like that, preach. Why are you talking? I want to I feel good. In order to feel good, we've got to realize maybe what we're, we're doing wrong and, and get it right, and then we can feel good about that. But are we just a pew warmer? God knows. He knows, and you can fool yourself. You can fool other people. You can't fool him. You say, okay, you got me. Maybe I need to improve something. How am I going to get motivated? How am I going to stay motivated? How am I going to, to fix this problem in my life? Number one, you need to repent. You need to repent. Revelation chapter 3, verse 19, Laodicea was lukewarm. The Lord said, you make me want to vomit you out of my mouth. What do they do? What does he tell them to do in verse 19? He says, you repent. It may be that you need to repent in front of this congregation. It may need to be a public repentance because everybody knows that you've been lukewarm and your fire has been out for a long time and the only person you have fooled is yourself. Maybe that needs to happen. Maybe this morning there needs to be a lot of us decide within our hearts and our minds that we are going to make a change in our life. That we are going to do things differently. Maybe we need to put the Word of God more in our heart, and we're about to discuss that. Number two, maybe we need to pray. Pray would be, praying would be like putting oxygen on a fire. How long does this fire burn without oxygen? It doesn't, right? It has to have that. A Christian cannot be on fire without a constant prayer life. You say, yeah, but praying is hard. You know, and I, you don't understand, I'm busy, I've got all of these things going, and I'm going to tell uh, all of us, including me, maybe we need to force ourselves. You say, well, if I'm forcing myself to do it, it's no good. I promise you, you will learn to love to do it. But maybe you need to force yourself to set aside a certain amount of time every day, and maybe you need to lay it all out before the Lord. Maybe you need to tell the Lord, Lord, my heart is cold. Lord, my flame is out. Lord, I, you can't hide it from him. And he says he will forgive us if we will confess it to him. So why don't we just open up and confess it to him? Why don't we just talk to him about everything in our life and have a relationship with him? How do we get motivated and stay motivated? Maybe we need to study our Bibles in a different way. Instead of just random facts, instead of just knowing certain things, Maybe we need to have a deeper understanding of some things. Maybe we need to understand the depth of God's love. You'll stay around for Bible class this morning. The teacher won't be much, but I promise you, you're going to understand a little bit more about the depth of God's love. You're going to under, understand what sin costs. That's what we're going to talk about in Bible class. The price that had to be paid. And when we deal with all of that, I think you're going to understand more of why God loved you and I think that's why Jeremiah was motivated. 
I think that's why John and Peter was motivated, even if they were beaten to keep going. I know that's why the Apostle Paul was motivated, that no matter what happened in his life, God loved him, and God did everything for him, and it was going to keep him going. Maybe you need to clean your heart. Clean your heart. Maybe you need to let go of bitterness. You know, a lot of times the reason our, our, our fire gets dim and maybe goes out is, is we're upset about something. And we don't like how something is going. And I had a man tell me one time, a Christian, he says, I'm going to stop giving. Stop giving? Yeah, I don't agree with how they spend the money. I'm going to stop giving. Okay. That's your prerogative. You can do what you want. It wasn't here. But isn't that what we do? It's not going to be how I want it to be. I'm taking my ball and going home, right? Do we treat the church the same way? If there's a decision the elders don't like, or just anything here that we don't necessarily like or agree with, sometimes what we do is we, we shut down. We shut down. And we become that lukewarm body. We become a pew warmer. Shouldn't be that. The last suggestion I have for us to get motivated and stay motivated is be useful. Brethren, do you realize there is more than enough work here at Willow Avenue for everybody to be a part of? Do you realize that? Do you realize that we have a lot of classes that need a lot of teachers? And John's going to talk about this in a moment, but there's a new thing here that now we've got to have two people in every classroom if they're 18 and under. You know how difficult it is to get one person in every classroom? Can you imagine how difficult it's going to be to get two people in every classroom? You say, hey, you don't understand. That's just not my thing. Well, the second person just has to sit there like a knot on a log. You don't have to teach. Somebody's got to do it, right? Somebody says, well, I put in my time. I've already done that, and I, I moved on to something. Brethren, if you think you've moved on from the small things, you've got the wrong idea. That's the wrong idea. I want to tell you something. The only way you will ever get, get motivated and stay motivated is you've got to stay active. If you lay on the couch or on the bench all the time, what happens? If you're on a, a sports team and you never get off the bench, what happens to that person? I want to quit, right? If I am never going to get to play and all I'm ever going to do is sit down there on the end of the bench and throw somebody some water every now and then. I don't, I don't want to play. I'd just rather give it up. So let me tell you something. If you are staying on the bench, it's your fault. There's plenty to do. It's hard to get enough men from time to time to, to wait upon the uh, congregation, to lead prayers, to lead whatever it may be. There are things to do. you just got to decide you're going to get up and do it. John Wesley made a quote, and I've read this, I don't know how many times preparing for this lesson. Get on fire for God and men will come to watch you burn. You think that's true? When you are around somebody that is motivated and, and just, just you know energetic, it does one of two things for you. Number one, either you want to be motivated and energetic, or number two, you can't stand to be around them, right? Honestly, that's, that's the case. You know, if we get on fire for God, you know what it's going to do? You know what it's going to do? You get on fire for God, and that person beside you, that fire is going to spread. 
And then that person's going to get on fire for God, and, and that fire is going to spread. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, he says, Timothy, you need to fan the flames. You need to fan the flames. Maybe Timothy was struggling a little bit at this time in his life, and, and Paul told him, you need to fan the flames. What happens when we fan a flame? Oh, the fire gets brighter, right? Maybe that's what we need to do as Christians today. I appreciate your attention. I really do. I, in all sincerity, I want you to seriously consider this. I love this church at Willow Avenue. And I want this church to be the best that she can possibly be. But in order for that to take place, everybody, everybody's got to be on the same page. Everybody's got to do their part. The church is like a chain. And it's only as strong as its weakest link. And if there's a lot of broken links throughout and people aren't doing their thing, what happens? Falls on somebody else, right? If you are not doing what you could do, and there's so much to do here for the Lord, then it falls on somebody else. And before long, those people that it falls upon over and over again, you know what happens? They burn out. And then that's on you on me nobody wants that this morning if your fire smoldered if your fire for the Lord is is out if maybe this morning you honestly feel you ever seen an old pond out in the middle of the field that the water doesn't move there's no fresh water going into it what happens it's stagnant right and it's a disgusting thing maybe this morning you are like a stagnant body of Maybe you're lukewarm. And you know the Lord is not pleased with you. Maybe this morning you know you need to make that right. Either privately or publicly. But you've got a chance right now, right now, to let your brothers and sisters know that you want to change things in your life. You want to be what God wants you to be. You want to start spreading the fire throughout this congregation and get people motivated again. You can do that this morning. You can come church, the elders will pray with you, brethren, and you can be back right with God. Or if you are not a New Testament Christian, you also have that opportunity this morning. Why don't you come while together we stand and sing?